Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Yeah, that is our new time. We're on from 1 to 4. So if you missed the show, check out the iHeartRadio app. You can download the podcast. All three hours will be there. Not long after we finish at 4 o'clock, you can also use the website, kfiam640.com. And that way you can check out the podcasts, which are posted there as well. The cash refill contest is back at 220. You'll hear another keyword. And of course, you enter it at the website for your chance to win $1,000. We are not letting go the story concerning the murder of the Riverside County Sheriff's deputy. We had uh, the Sheriff Chad Bianco on earlier this week to talk about the fault of a judge giving a three-striker bail. Hard to believe. He got picked up again and he got bond again. We think maybe it was not from the same judge the second time, but still, the mistake was made and he went out and killed the Sheriff's deputy. We're going to talk to a former prosecutor after the news at 230 Uh, who also couldn't believe that this happened. It's like unheard of to give a convicted three-striker bond. Uh, This is a very dangerous guy with a long, violent history. So that'll come up this hour. Right now, we begin with California's, uh, well, it's back, which we predicted a couple of years ago. There would be another budget fiasco. Uh, The state apparently had a a big surplus last year, near $100 billion. Suddenly, it's a $22.5 billion budget hole they're projecting. And the reason is simple. It was a pretty bad year, 2022, for the stock markets and the capital gains. Um, The top 0.5% of taxpayers pay 40% of the state's income tax. So you can see when things diminish there, so does the take in Sacramento. California's general fund revenue 
went up to $210.5 billion last year. It was $146 billion in 2019. Uh, according to the Wall Street Journal, near zero interest rates inflated asset prices. But as the Fed keeps lifting the interest rates, stock prices of the high-flying tech companies have tumbled. And this is one of the reasons why the revenues are dropping off in Sacramento. And the other thing we're going to talk about, which we mentioned yesterday in a great analysis from California Globe and Katie Grimes, when Jerry Brown was governor in 2011, his first state budget was $98 billion. Last year, the Newsom budget was $300 billion. Uh, that much growth in spending when we really have not had any <laughs> commensurate increase in population? Yeah, there's been some inflation. Let's bring on Jim Patterson, the assembly member from Fresno, to talk about this and water storage, which is another big issue. Jim, welcome back to the show. Good to be back with you. Thank you for the invite. Yeah, well, you heard my introduction there. I mean, three hundred billion dollar budget was just ninety eight billion a little over ten yeah. years ago. Well, I, I yeah. I've been on the budget committee since I was elected in twenty twelve, and I had been warning over and over again. Uh, we've got a really good vice chair as well, uh, Vince Fong, who is terrific at uh, understanding all of this. And uh, the, the bottom line, and I think you hit on it pretty uh, succinctly. Uh, when you have revenue that is fluctuating up and down, boom and bust, and you budget for straight line spending increases, in other words, the spending increases go up right in the middle of a volatile uh, revenue stream, which is exactly what we have. And uh, so, I, you know, it's, it's, it's no wonder we are now $22 billion. Uh, Newsom, I think, is underestimating that a bit, our legislative uh, analysts' office said it was more like probably $25 billion. But the bottom line is we've blown through a lot of one-time spending and a lot of uh, sort of uh, pork barrel kinds of uh, spending on, you know, special ideological political uh, projects for the ruling party. And uh, we now are facing the reality. And this is interesting. I think there is a comparison here between the boom and bust cycle Mm -hmm. and, uh, of the budget and the boom and bust cycle of our water. I want you to think about it for, for a little bit. We have a boom and bust cycle for our spending uh, and our revenue, but we also are in the middle of boom and bust with respect to water and water in storage. Yeah, right, right? now they've reversed. Right now water is booming, whereas the economy is not, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, 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 and so what, what we're seeing with the, the budget boom and bust is that we've had a, a – a huge uh, expenditures, uh, and it was foolish to, uh, you know, spend right up to the to the top level of the capacity to, you know, spend a huge budget. Uh, and some of this locked us into like permanent spending. We're talking about how they expanded Medicaid to undocumented immigrants. We got this universal the, preschool yeah. and school lunches. Yeah, the, what what I've seen though the. the what we're going to see in this next session is, is all kinds of, of, of smoke and mirrors to supposedly, quote, unquote, balance this budget. A lot of what you see with the governor and his uh, release of his, his budget basically uh, is sort of this, this smoke and mirrors. And so he'll borrow from a fund over here and then promise to pay it back over there. And then he'll use some one-time money over here to try to pay for something. Well, that, what about uh, the tax uh, word? Is that going to come up? <laughs> yeah. uh, well, the Democrats always always like to, to 
figure out ways to raise taxes. We, yeah, I, I don't think, I, I, first of all, I don't think there really is an appetite necessarily, and I don't think it's, they're going to get to two-thirds. Uh, I, the, and we've got a bunch of new people in the legislature kind of getting their feet wet. And I, the last thing I think these new members want to see is a, uh, you know, a crisis with respect to uh, funding and having to cut here and there. And yet we're going to be forced to do that. So, but again, th- this um, shuffling around of accounts where they borrow from one thing and promise to pay back somewhere else, in the decade I've been on this budget committee, I have rarely seen them pay back the the funds that they borrowed. Are they and, going to steal more gas tax money? That was one of their good tricks. Yeah, that's one of the way, yeah one of the ways they did it. Yeah. And so here you here you have this demand and supply problem. And what do we do? Uh, in essence, we are doing with our budget by spending what the state of California does with water in its reservoirs. We are letting it just flow out, go away, use it all up, uh, and then we have no water, and then we have limited budgetary resources in the state of California. Why? Because we are sending water out the ocean in huge numbers, and we are sending money out into the to uh, to the state of California when we really can't back it up with accountability over whether or not it's doing anything for homeless or whatever. Uh, can you hold on, Jim? Because I, w- I, w- yeah. I want to talk about the water part of this, because I know you're getting into we'll get that. that. You, guys, you, you guys had a news conference today to talk about more water we storage. Did. All right, we well, so we'll get into that next. This is Assemblyman uh, Jim Patterson, the Republican from Fresno. And, of course, as you heard, he's uh, right there on the Budget Committee. And we're talking about California's horrible budget numbers, which could be a $25 billion deficit. But on top of that, they did hold a news conference today to talk about the need for more water storage. And I'll talk to Jim about that when I come back, because... Uh, It was almost nine years ago when the state of California voters passed a measure for more water storage and nothing has really happened. And we'll talk about that. Your chance at some money is immediately coming up next. You're going to hear a keyword. You follow the instructions. You could win $1,000. John and Ken show on KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. My guest is assembly member Jim Patterson, the Republican from Fresno. We talked about the colossal California budget, $300 billion. It was just $98 billion in 2011. Think about that. And when we're losing people. We're losing people. Uh, population down to around $39 million. The other issue that we're going to get into now, of course, is water storage. Jim, even my family members who live more on the East Coast were saying, well, then put out some rain barrels. Figure out what you have to do to collect more of this water because it's atrocious in California. There was a measure passed in 2014 for more water storage, but not much has been done there. So talk about what you guys mentioned today. A bunch of Republicans had a news conference to try yeah. to point out the need for more water storage. Well, look, I I was part of uh, the uh, negotiating team with respect to that proposition, a number of us. And as I got into it more and more, uh, I I, I had to recognize that that water bond was a whole lot of smoke and mirrors. And here we are, what, uh, 10, 12 years later, uh, and we haven't built one single new storage. We haven't increased any storage. Uh, Have they spent any money? I mean, where does the money, is there any money spent at all? And where does it go if nothing's been built? Yeah, I, it, that, that's, that's the good question. And that's part of what we were uh, talking about today in the, in the caucus uh, uh, press conference. But 
I likened it to our bank account, right? We, we fill our bank account up, and then we spend it and draw it all the way down, not giving much consideration to the volatility. In other words, the ups and downs. We have droughts and we have wet years, but we also have you know, droughts with respect to our revenue, but also uh, lots of politicians who want to spend like crazy. And so we have, we have, we have deficits, uh, budget deficits, and we have water deficits. However, uh, as of uh, what yesterday, um, I took a look at the uh, historical averages and the present holding capacity of uh, our uh, reservoirs up and down the state. Uh, Shasta right now is at 70% of its historic average. That, that's significant. Oroville is at 88%. Uh, Folsom, for example, is at 99%. Uh, if you go down to uh, New Maloney's, uh, they're at 60%. Don Pedro's at 100%. McClure's at 101%. Come down to our neck of the woods where we have the Millerton Reservoir and the Pine Flat Reservoir. I represent those areas. That's the San Joaquin River that empties into Millerton and the Kings River, which empties into uh, Pine Flat. 150% of the historical average at Millerton and 110% of the Pine Flat historical average. What, what that says is, look, we had a wet year in 2017, we had a, a wet year in 2019, and yet those reservoirs up until these storms were just flat out uh, emptied. Well, that's the problem. We, we had wet years. They are built so that you save them in the wet years, so that you have them in the dry years, and yet the manner in which uh, California and the feds operate our water systems here is essentially what's called unimpeded flow. They basically operate them as if those reservoirs uh, don't exist. And so what we were saying was, look, the whole purpose of the reservoir system and the canals and the conveyance and all of that was, yes, flood control, saving water during the wet years and using it during the dry. And so uh, my hope is that uh, we're going to see a very different operational plan. And this is what we've been calling for over and over again. There are operational plans about how you let water out, how you save it, how you anticipate for the, the, the snow runoff. And by the way, all of these numbers like Pine Flat at 110 and Milliton at 150 and these others way up there almost near 100 percent, that doesn't account for all of that snow that's packing up in the Sierras that's as well. Right. Yeah, that's a different thing, right? Yeah, right. so and we're that, and that, to... and that, that's, that's good because that melts more slowly and you can capture it more easily. Oh, yeah. But my question is this. All of these reservoirs, let's say they all got to 100%, right? We're going to end up using that water if we go through some periods of no rain. We need more of these water capture facilities in the state. Obviously, yeah. we do because yeah. we tend to have a year or two without any rain. Everybody panics and then the reservoirs are running down to nothing. And we have all this uh, nonsense discussion again. Again, the the. the... We have a, a, a absolutely remarkable hydrological system, and uh, but we have not maintained it, and we have not built capacities. There are ways to build capacities, for example, on many of these reservoirs by raising uh, the level of the of the dam. For example, we ought to be doing that in Shasta, uh, and and those are relatively inexpensive compared to building an you know entire new reservoir. But we also have real opportunities uh, on the San Joaquin River to do temperance flat, and we were basically turned down by the water board that was stacked by uh, Newsom's environmental uh, yeah. zealots. We were 
Sites is supposed to be uh, one of the favorites because it, it checks all the boxes. It's been slow. Uh, and uh, But the fact of the matter is we now have lots of water in the bank account. The problem is if we all go and spend it, right, yeah. dump it into the ocean, it's not. It's just like any bank account. That's the well, similarity with, with our with our with our bank account uh, with the state budget. We load it up uh, when there's lots of taxation. We spend it like crazy. We drain it, and then we wonder why we show up a few years later and we got a twenty-five billion dollar shortfall. Well, here's what our listeners are tired of hearing from Sacramento, not you, but from the Democratic politicians, that it's all about climate change and you have to conserve. And yet they don't make any move like you've been talking about to capture more water, to figure out ways when we have these heavy periods of rain to get more of that. I mean, how much, what percentage of the recent big storms have just washed out to sea? It's a pretty high percentage, right? Yeah, I mean, in 2017 and 2019, we effectively drained those reservoirs. We had, you know, several years of, of the drought. Now we're seeing the rivers filling up. We're seeing the reservoirs filling up but i want this is this is the the craziness of of the schizophrenia of those that are in charge up in sacramento when you talk about uh reservoirs and you talk about saving water i can tell you that the uh, nrdc uh the natural resources defense fund and sierra club and all those and they told me to my face jim we're not going to give you any more reservoirs we're going to fight you for the reservoirs that's why i think Sites was so slow, why we lost temperance, yeah. why Shash is not going to be lifted. And they say, and even if you do get the reservoirs, Jim, we're going to fight you for the water behind it. That is all these unimpeded flow nonsense that we hear. It, it, consider it this way. We've got these bathtubs all across the state of California. They fill up in wet years. Yes, we have dry years. And yet the minute these bathtubs fill up, what do those in charge of our operations do? They pull the plug and they drain it. And, and then we wonder how come we have this uh, lack yeah. of water, water. Uh, when, we, when we need it in a, in the, in a time of, of, um, uh, of drought. And I liken it similar to the bank account uh, that's our the state budget. budget. Right. We, we, right. we fill it up in the good years, and then you know we just drain the thing and spend it. And then all of a sudden our legislative analysts uh, warn us that it's $25 billion, and everybody sort of – starts to, you know, get a little frantic and try to figure out ways to supposedly balance the budget, but not really cut spending. And that's right. what's going on right now. All right, Jim, got to go. Uh, keep fighting the good fight. We appreciate you talking we'll to us. We'll All right. Thank you. Yeah, Jim Patterson, Republican from Fresno on both the uh, ridiculous California budget and, of course, the fact that we don't have enough water storage. I mean, I keep saying, just just build more water storage. That was the idea of the 2014 ballot measure. If the reservoirs get full, right, they can't take on any more water, you got to have more water storage units to take advantage of these heavy, heavy rain and snow periods. More coming up. John and Ken, KFI AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. The Moist Line returns to the show tomorrow during the 3 o'clock hour now, 3.20 and 3.50. Our show is now on from 1 to 4, but you can always... Check out the podcast at KFIAM640.com or the iHeartRadio app. You can leave a message for The Moist Line using that iHeartRadio app, the microphone icon, or just call up the toll-free number, 1-877-MOIST-86, 1-877-664-7886. We return to the story now of the 
Riverside County Sheriff's Deputy Isaiah Cordero, who was shot to death on December 29th by a three-strike felon who was out on bail. This is hard to believe. Many in the law enforcement community and prosecutors cannot understand how William Shea McKay, that filth, was free not only once but twice. He got himself bail after he was convicted in a three-strike case. A long criminal history, I think, dates back to like 1999 for this violent man. Everything that three-strikes laws were designed to be about, this guy is the profile of that. And he should not have been free. And not only was he free, he missed a court appearance. He was picked up again. He was again given bail. And then ultimately, he was pulled over by Deputy Cordero, and he shot the deputy, drove off, but they thankfully caught up with him and killed him. Um, one of the people we're going to talk to now has a quote that stood out in a L.A. Times story from over the weekend. In my 30 years as a defense attorney and prosecutor, I have never heard of a third strike felon awaiting sentencing, getting out on bail and then being arrested while out on bail and being released again. That quote is from Dimitri Gorin, a former L.A. County prosecutor. He's going to come on the show now to talk about the case. Dimitri, welcome to the John and Ken show. Sure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, elaborate on that quote. I mean, you were amazed at this, too. You haven't seen this happen with this man's criminal history. Yes. Um, typically, after a trial, if the defendant is found guilty, 99.9% of the time, he's remanded. You saw that in the Harvey Weinstein case. He stayed in custody. You saw that um, in another recent conviction with Tory Lanez here in Los Angeles. He was convicted. He was remanded into custody. And so here where you have somebody with a significant criminal history to be granted bail after uh, the court uh, the court found him guilty of a violent offense is is very unusual. And I, obviously, I wasn't in the courtroom. I don't know all the circumstances. And hindsight is also twenty twenty. But in the total, all the facts you just described before I came on, it really shows the system failed here. This guy should have been in custody. And wherever well, the errors happen, it's very unfortunate and it's tragic that a deputy died. It's just a, a major tragedy in this case. Let's talk about the basics of getting out on bond. The idea is the risk to public safety, is it not? Yes, that's one of the considerations, but those factors are significantly different, not just in a regular bail case, but after a conviction. So once a, a court or a jury find you guilty, again, you're remanded. That's usually how things go down. So because I wasn't in the courtroom, I'm not sure what the dynamics were in that court where the judge made an exception and let him out on bail, which is, again, highly unusual when somebody's been found guilty, especially with a significant criminal history. Yeah, and it was Judge Kara Hudson out of San Bernardino County that actually found McKay guilty of the three-strike, in the three-strike case. It wasn't a jury. She found him guilty. Right. He waived his right to a jury for some reason, which is also highly unusual. And from what the uh, news articles report, he represented himself which is also highly unusual. So you have all these dynamics that unless you're in the courtroom, it's hard to know. Maybe the judge felt some empathy for him. I know there was some evidence that came out that the accuser in this case had her own criminal record, so maybe there was some questions and credibility about her. I want to say I wasn't there, but the judge must have had some sympathy for him to set bail. 
I don't know what her factors were. I don't think she kind of balanced the dangerousness aspect. And she didn't make a record of why she's letting him out. She just determined because she found him not guilty in the kidnapping and found him guilty of the lower offense of false imprisonment that he's entitled to lesser bail. I believe that was her calculus. Uh, but technically, he should have had his bail revoked. Again, 99, 99.99% of the time, that's what a judicial officer does following a, a conviction of guilty. Yeah, as you mentioned, he was found guilty of falsely imprisoning and threatening a woman, receiving stolen property, and leading police on a high-speed chase. This happened in November of 2021. That's what Hudson convicted him of. But But it seems like, and you implied it, the victim in this case is a woman who was facing federal charges of smuggling drugs into the U.S. from Mexico. So it could have been a case where the judge thought, well, yeah, I'm finding him guilty, but seriously, the person that he kidnapped has her own problems. And I don't know if she felt sympathy for McKay or what, but didn't think of it as serious public safety threat? I don't know. Exactly. I think whenever there must have been, again, I'm, I'm only trying to read the tea leaves here, some question about this woman's credibility in the judge's mind that, hey, this person has her own criminal situation. Maybe there was some sort of drug thing going on between them. And when that goes down, maybe it's two druggies fighting over drugs. You know, I don't know what the judge thought, but she, she didn't, you know, she obviously didn't buy the whole story of kidnapping. She found what you call a lesser included, which is false imprisonment, which to a lay person seems like the same thing, but a kidnap offense is what you call a violent and serious felony, whereas a false imprisonment could be as little as a misdemeanor. It's a wobbler offense. So the two charges, although they sound similar, are treated very differently in the criminal justice system, which tells me that perhaps the judge found that she voluntarily went with McKay, that the alleged victim went with him, but then there was some sort of disagreement, and then there was a false imprisonment. He would have let her go. Again, it sounds like I'm just kind of splitting hairs here, but the two charges are completely different in terms of how you would get punished uh, in the justice system. And then he has to be picked up again because I guess he failed to show and, and he got right. bail another time. Although we're hearing today that maybe it wasn't the same judge that gave him bond the second time. But I mean, honestly, he already failed the system. He failed the system again. He shouldn't right. have gotten bail again. I mean, that's hard to believe, too. Again, as a defense lawyer, obviously, I want to have my clients free on bail to fight their cases. But as just an objective observer, a member of the public, a former prosecutor, it makes me feel like the left hand sort of didn't know what the right hand was doing. Both the police and perhaps the other judge just didn't have all the information in front of them. And that does happen. It does happen because the system has a lot of cases. Sam and Adino, I believe this was either Sam and Adino or Riverside, they have huge number of files. And so oftentimes I'll go to court for my own clients, and like we had a court date today. We went to court, nothing was filed. The client had been ordered to be there. The district attorney has not yet received the paperwork from the police. So it's not unusual that the prosecutor doesn't make a timely decision because the police don't submit the paperwork timely. Here, I guess the Drug lab receipts hadn't been received. The drugs hadn't been tested on his new case. And so that's not atypical. What is atypical is that, you know, the, you know, the judge may not have all the information and then the DA doesn't have all the information. It could be a different prosecutor. And so you do have these failures in the system. It's not uncommon, but it's uncommon. It's unusual here because he was already pending sentencing. That's what's right. unusual. So how is he still out? That's unusual. All right, Dimitri, thanks for talking to me. I appreciate it. Sure.
Sure, All anytime. Right. Thanks for having me. Have a good afternoon. You too. Former L.A. County Prosecutor Dimitri Gorin also has acted as a defense attorney, and he is shocked, too, that a man that was convicted by the judge of a third strike was given bond, was out on bail. And then when he absconded, he was picked up again and given bail, perhaps by a different judge. But that put him on the streets to kill a Riverside County Sheriff's deputy by the name of Isaiah Cordero. The criminal cases that we talked about were in San Bernardino County, and we have a call out to the DA there or anybody that will come on the air. The only thing they've said publicly in a story in the El Segundo Times is that there is no legislation that states that a post-convicted three-strikes felon out on bond cannot post bond on a subsequent offense, sort of explaining the fact that he got bail a second time. But what the problem was, after a verdict of a three-strikes conviction, the risk to the public safety, he should not have gotten the first bail from Judge Hudson. More coming up on the John and Ken Show, KFI AM 640. After a 3 o'clock, Alex Stone is following for us the Brian Koberger story. He made a court appearance today, and of course, he's accused of killing the four college students who attended the University of Idaho, stabbed to death in their rooms in a very uh, rowdy party house. And uh, he'll tell us what happened, particularly uh, he showed up with cuts on his face, suspicious cuts. All of this coming up, and we'll tell you what would be the future for Koberger in court right after the news at 3 o'clock. Well, this story, Deborah Mark, could be a warning for you. Yeah, what is it? Because I know you favor these things, right? You love your manicures and pedicures and I such. I do, I do. Well, watch out. Here comes cancer. What? Here's the story from Fox 11 reporter Christina Picucci. Thanksgiving 2021. Mother of three, Grace Garcia, had no idea a last-minute manicure was about to change her life. This wasn't your normal nail salon. It was a new salon. I just did not want to go to my original place because they were booked. And the technician, as she worked on my nails, I, I she was very aggressive with my cuticle. And I did notice at the end that the cuticle was raw and it, it just hurt a lot. Her right ring finger would not fully heal. It just looked like a blister. Within three months, you knew something was seriously wrong. It erupted and I thought it was a wart. I said, is this, what is this thing that's happened to my finger? Her doctor sent her to a dermatologist who biopsied her finger. On my way to the car from seeing him, he, they called me. So that scared me. And he said, we're going to have to have you come back. Garcia then went to UCLA Health to see specialist Dr. Soleimani, who she says may have saved her life. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Something so simple as a manicure could have killed me. She had a squamous cell carcinoma. Hers was caused by a high-risk HPV. So how does this happen? In her case, she had uh, a manicure done where she had an injury. And presumably so, there were some contaminated tools or some sort of entry of this virus. And the virus triggers this cancer to develop. A lot of people think HPV is sexually transmitted. It can be and is sexually transmitted, but much like any other viruses that need contact, anywhere where it can get into and under the skin is where it will replicate. It's not clear exactly how many of these nail cancers are caused by HPV, but Dr. Mm. Soleimani says he's seen an increasing number of cases nationwide. According to the Skin Cancer Foundation and American Academy of Dermatology, up to 85% of squamous cell carcinomas of the fingers or nails are due to high-risk HPV. An estimated 80,000 cases occur worldwide. 
Dr. Soleimani says he's only seen a handful caused by manicures. Rarely do we see high-risk squamous cell carcinomas um, arising from this, but I have had um, about a half a dozen patients with this phenomenon. At Grace's final post-operation check. How's the finger? Better than ever. Oh Beautiful. my God, this looks amazing. She had a very good outcome. Dr. Soleimani has this advice. Make sure you know uh, the salon you're going to, and I recommend taking your own equipment if you can. Because <laughs> of how frequently we're seeing high-risk HPV, I would recommend everybody who's of age to get the vaccine. Thank you yeah. so much. I'm so going to give you a hug. Thank you so much. No, oh, a happy ending, though, Aww. Deborah Mark. She's okay now. Now, are you going to take your own tools to your Well, manicures? I have done that before in the past. But, Ken, remember, I got the fungus on my fingernails. That's why I thought of you when I saw <sighs> the story that you had some weird thing I with your did, finger. I did, and I still have a little bit. My, it's not. You think that was from the tools used or from? Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I, it could have been. I had gel, so I have to be honest. So it wasn't just hmm. a regular manicure. I had the gels, which is the gel nail polish that. Oh, that's right. That's my, what you thought could have been the problem. Right? Yeah, so, but. But I don't know. But yes, I have to say many times in the past before I was doing gels, I did bring my own equipment and I'm going to be doing the same thing. I'm still getting pedicures and I keep forgetting to bring my own stuff. But now after hearing this, hell yeah. 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 I mean, it's rare. But when you go to these places where they share the tools, you know, everybody else who's been in there, if they don't clean them properly, they're supposed to there be, could clean, be something sterilized. On what do they use on your nails? What kind of tools are they like? Little, uh, like they, little, they pick the. Well, they use a nail file and a cuticle. Uh, what's it called? I uh, I have COVID brain here. Uh, where is they it push curved the or something? Yes, or like yes, edged? yes, yes. It, they're no. they're stainless steel products. Right, they're trying to get the gunk and nail out of your clippers nails and, and clean them up. Exactly. Yeah, but um, if they don't, because sometimes when I'm even at the you know the the hair salon. I look and see like the combs and the scissors they use on me. I'm like, I, they have this vat where they put them in to supposedly yes. disinfect them. But I'm like, it, it, there was one time I went and 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 there was this smell. I think it was coming from the comb. And I'm like, uh, are you sure you clean that? Or <laughs> I don't want somebody's uh, lice. I know on my head or whatever <laughs> smell that is. In that, Dandruff. That uh, yeah. So you know, this woman said uh, it could have killed her. Um, That's it's scary. a rare case, but it's something to uh, think about for all you uh, people that have to have your little nails done and your, and it, I guess the pedicure too could be a problem. Oh yeah, right? it's yeah. the same thing. Absolutely, they use yeah. the same the same tools. I just wanted to add another scare to your Thanks. list of things to <laughs> be concerned about that keeps you up at night. All right, coming up next, there was a court appearance in Idaho today for the man who's accused of killing the four college students. This weirdo, Brian Koberger, will tell you how it went down with Alex Stone, ABC News for KFI. Also coming up this hour, Palmdale fights back. The Palmdale City Council is concerned that Los Angeles is going to send their homeless their way to the desert. And you'll see what they did. Johnny Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. Deborah Mark with the news now. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. 
Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. Health technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today.